From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. It's crucial that our providers, uh, our EHR partners, their end clients, uh, our health systems, everyone involved has access to the data at the right time. So in most cases that we're discussing here, that would be at the point of care, right? Whether that's prior to a patient's appointment, as the patient is coming in, um, so that they can evaluate that, uh, that med list right when the patient is there. Um, and, and what we uh, have often said is that this really turns the conversation about what medications a patient is on from an investigation into a validation. That's Andrew Borg-Schulte talking about the aspects around timing and availability of data that can help providers and staff when reviewing medication history. We'll hear more from Andrew as well as Rachel Peterson in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor. Spend more time doing what you love, caring for patients and less time on clinical documentation. Nuance Dragon Ambient Experience, or DAX, captures the patient's story securely and accurately to automatically document at the point of care for increased efficiency and patient throughput. Discover how DAX provides a better patient experience and eliminates afterward documentation. Visit nuance.com slash DAX to sign up for a live stream demo and explore how DAX, Nuance's ambient clinical intelligence solution can transform your organization. Our guests today are Andrew Borgschulte Principal Product Marketing Manager for SureScripts, and Rachel Peterson, Manager of Product Innovation, Medication History at SureScripts. They're here today to talk about what medication reconciliation looks like in a culture of interoperability. Andrew, Rachel, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. Uh, Rachel, I want to start with you. So in today's modern age of uh, MedRec, what do you mean at SureScripts when you say your med history is comprehensive? Yeah, comprehensive in our terms means complete. So all of the medications for that patient that you're um, seeing in their office, all of the elements of the medication record that really support clinical decision-making, the name of the prescriber, their phone number, the pharmacy where it was filled, the pharmacy's phone number where it was filled, and any piece of data that's going to help really do that medication reconciliation. Okay. Um, Andrew, I wanted to turn to you for a moment. Can you give us an example then of um, a gap that might exist in medication history um, that's when it's filled with when an organization has access to this comprehensive medication history information? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if an organization isn't using electronic med history, or if they're frankly using a, an electronic med history solution that isn't truly comprehensive, 
they really might not be aware of some medications that a patient is taking outside of their four walls, for example, right? One that this particular provider may or may not have prescribed. Um, and additionally, where we see a, a large gap is often um, those that were picked up from the pharmacy and paid with cash. Um, unfortunately, a lot of providers still rely on claims data, which can be a bit outdated and also by its nature does not account for cash pay. And you know, this, this could be a significant portion of some maintenance meds. Um, pharmacies are starting to expand generic cash pay programs. And also obviously there are a lot of couponing programs and apps out there now in the world where it may make more sense for a patient, at least on their initial pickup dose uh, to, to pay cash. And so having that blind spot could be uh, unfortunately a big issue, could lead to an adverse drug event or an area that the, that particular provider doesn't have visibility into the full list of medications that the, the patient who's in front of them um, either is on or, or has been taking you know, recently. Well, thanks for that, Andrew. So let me stay with you. Um, I wanna ask you about generics then. Let's, let's go into more detail there. When you get into the generics, what, what does that mean? Yeah, so you know, I mentioned it briefly, but a lot of these medica maintenance medications, excuse me, um, and, and these large pharmacies are offering these like $4 generics, which might include things like lisinopril, metformin, and, and many other common therapies. And so because of that low cost, um, in a lot of cases, it's either cheaper than the copay or just in some, for some patients, you know, not worth the hassle of worrying about getting their insurance card out and getting, you know, making sure they're covered through all those different things. So again, you know, if the claims data doesn't exist or if that insurance claim is never made, um, then for providers who don't have this comprehensive medication history solution, they just simply won't see that data. Now, obviously, if they prescribe it themselves, that, that's a different story, but but as we know, patients are seeking care at more and more places, more disparate care. You know, we, we like to always, uh, you know, the common phrase now is that patients are hypermobile, right? And that doesn't mean that they're driving all across the country, right? It can often just be in a small geographic area. Um, but if they, you know, in, in most insurance plans, if you don't need a referral, you know, any of us can go sign up to see a specialist or, or check in with something or get a random ache or pain and you want to go get it checked out. And your primary care provider may not have visibility into those visits and into the potential medications that are prescribed. And so, you know, uh, especially if, if any of these patients are on risk-based contracts or under some other you know, value-based care agreement, it's really crucial to have an understanding of what meds the patient is on and also if they're adherent um, properly to those meds. Because, of course, especially with maintenance medications, uh, adherence is, is crucial to... Uh, to complete and then proper treatment. Right. Andrew, I want to stick with you on one more element here. So we saw with the distribution of vaccines, um, we saw them like everywhere and from pharmacies all the way to stadiums and everywhere else. But when we think about uh, prescriptions, um, we see those in different places now. I know that when I go get my groceries, it, uh, a lot of the groceries have uh, you know, pharmacies there as well. So what is that done when you're talking about comprehensive medication history information? So is all of this being uh, distributed? Do you see this as uh, helpful to the patients? Is it, is it making it easier also with the providers? What, what do you see as that uh, filling some of those gaps there? Yeah, so 
you know, one key thing I think is really important when we say comprehensive is that Surescripts has direct relationships with pharmacy and PBM partners to, to power that medication history, right? And those relationships through our Surescripts Network Alliance is what enables us to work um, on behalf of those that are doing the, the med history reconciliation or um, taking the med history for a new patient or a patient maybe they haven't seen in a while. Um, and, and being able to get both of those things pulled in, right? So the claims or insurance data, but also the pharmacy fill data. And even more importantly, that pharmacy fill data is almost always richer. So it includes the SIG, which are the patient instructions, right? Take once daily, et cetera. It will often include the pharmacy name, the prescriber name. We actually have some tools coming in the near future that if those details are missing, we'll be able to actually help fill in the gaps. And I think we're going we're gonna to talk about that a little later uh, today. But, um, but that's really um, crucial to kind of get your arms around all of that data. Um, and and so, so being able to hook into to the, the network alliance that, that we have, you know, over the last 20 years formed these partnerships um, uh, allows us to capture areas where maybe currently a provider group or practice group has, has some gaps. Okay. That is really helpful. And then I did want to ask Rachel one more question here on this topic. So when we get into dispensed medications, do you mind defining that and, and just telling us, elaborating a little bit more on that as well? Sure. So a dispensed medication is the actual record from the pharmacy or from the claim that the patient has medication in hand. So it's different than an e-prescription because an e-prescription um, may be abandoned at the pharmacy or the, the, the patient may choose not to pick it up. Dispense medication means the patient actually has access and has paid for it, brought it home, has it in their medicine cabinet. Okay. Okay. Very helpful then. So Rachel, I want to stay with you, you here. Um, I know that one thing that is so important is getting the information that it's clean and that it's accurate. We've seen in this last 15, 16 months or so with all the virtual care that more and more is communication being done digitally. So when you're looking at things, you want to have that clean, accurate information. How are the data management and technology tools that uh, SureScripts use, uses making medication history data easier to work with? How do they make it cleaner? more accurate uh, for those providers and for those patients? Yeah, so while comprehensive data is important, meaning that you have all of the records, making sure that it is clean, as you mentioned, is also critical. Um, comprehensive records can add time if you have duplication. And so because SureScripts does have data from both pharmacies and PBMs, if you are filling a prescription at a pharmacy with your insurance, oftentimes there will be two records that re are returned in the medication history. And so we are prioritizing improvements um, on our side to really create clean, non-duplicated records that are complete. So where possible, we are augmenting the records with information like the pharmacy's phone number. So if that record doesn't contain it, we will add it from our SureScripts directory. Um, additionally, we are looking for other opportunities to add clinical intelligence. So as Andrew mentioned, our pharmacy data set is really rich. It contains a lot of clinical information such as the patient directions. 
And so we're looking for ways that we can improve the quality of those fields, but also add structured elements to enable our EHR partners to automate more of the reconciliation process. So um, we're really looking to remove those barriers that can create and add time to the med rec, especially as you mentioned with the shift that's happened over the last 15 months um, in med in med rec, sometimes that means that a different provider is doing that, that step. So in a traditional office visit, perhaps it's a nurse or even, even the patient themselves that is doing a med rec up front at the beginning of the appointment. Um, sometimes I've heard in telehealth, the provider is doing that step just because of the, the workflow that is present in these telehealth situations. And so we're really focusing on making sure that the data, while comprehensive, is the most usable and it's going to drive that clinical decision in the best way possible. Mm -hmm. One of the terms that caught my eye when we were communicating earlier was clinical intelligence. And so do you communicate with, you had mentioned nurses, you had talked about clinicians, providers in there, and do you do any like either formal surveys or anecdotal information with those nurses, with a provider to figure out what their pain points might be so, so that data can be as comprehensive as it needs to be, that can be as, like we were saying earlier, as clean and accurate as it needs to be? What do you do to make sure you're driving to those goals that you want to hit? Yeah, so we uh, receive feedback in several ways. So the first is we do do an annual survey to understand what are the pain points? What areas of medication reconciliation aren't working? And so we take that information and we feed that into our prioritization and where should we invest to ensure that the, the data is the most clean and most usable. Uh, we also do observation. So we will observe medication reconciliation in, in the wild, so to speak. And so we can get a lot of information from that, watching a patient and a nurse interact and go through their medication lists and what questions come up and what are the next steps that a nurse needs to take and how can we inform those records so that the data is there in the first place. Um, in terms of clinical intelligence, really what we're looking to do is bring some of that knowledge from our clinical the folks that give us input on the clinical side to create standards that help us provide innovation that really preserves clinical intent. So we're looking for a way to proactively improve the data to add what potentially a nurse may spend a lot of time adding, such as manually entering the patient directions into their EHR. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was, I was going to follow up and ask you, like, were there common themes or anything that uh, stuck out to you from recent surveys? And you talked about that manual input of data. Is there anything else, like from a most recent survey that was a common theme or just a real challenge or a, a pain point for those nurses and other uh, providers there that, that stuck out to you? Yeah, I would say the other pain point that, that we hear a lot is the length of time. Mm. So we provide 12 months of medication history. 
And depending upon the specialty or depending upon the, the clinic's needs, 12 months might be too much. And so especially if you've got a patient um, that maybe had strep throat a year ago, and so there's an antibiotic from 12 months ago, that medication may not really play into a clinical decision for whatever the patient is experiencing now. And so how can we provide tools and options so that those medication lists are the most relevant and, and really what that specific clinician needs to see? Andrew, I want to turn to you then, because we were talking earlier about accuracy. Sometimes accuracy is dependent on timing. Um, what is accurate today may not be accurate tomorrow. Um, I know that Rachel was talking about that earlier. So if you could elaborate that on that, are there aspects around timing and availability of data uh, that can help providers and staff when reviewing medication history? What are you looking at? Are there certain KPIs? Are there certain metrics or just other data that you're mining to make sure things are accurate in there? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think there's kind of two sides to, to, the, to the timing uh, conversation. The first one I think is pretty straightforward, which is it's crucial that our providers, uh, our EHR partners, their end clients, uh, our health systems, everyone involved has access to the data at the right time. So in most cases that we're discussing here, that would be at the point of care, right? Whether that's prior to a patient's appointment, as the patient is coming in, um, so that they can evaluate that, uh, that med list right when the patient is there. Um, and, and what we uh, have often said is that this really turns the conversation about what medications a patient is on from an investigation into a validation, right? So instead of having, you know, sort of a darkness there and then being able to kind of search through and, well, it's, you know, it's the purple one that looks, that's got a, a, a mark <laughs> on it and a, right. maybe a zero, I, you know, I'm not sure, <laughs> but I think I take a couple of those versus having a comprehensive med list yep. in front of the physician that can say, hey, it looks like you're still taking the lisinopril. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Is that the little white one? Yes. So again, it's validation versus investigation. So I think that's the, that's sort of step one. Um, the other side is more of the standards and quality, right? So we work extremely closely with NCPEP, um, who, who you know, sets the, the standards for how these things are displayed and what particular fields and elements um, need to be included. Um, and, and we're often, I, I would say, you know, we are often leading the way in that discussion, right? We are uh, trying to lead the innovation there to, to find that, um, that balance between complete and um, comprehensive data, but, but again, uh, making it manageable and digestible, right? I mean, there are over 200 fields in med history. Of course, every provider is not scanning all 200 of those fields. And, and depending on their EHR setup, they may not even have access to view those. Um, so it's some of it is kind of what goes on behind the scenes to ensure that it's accurate, but I, I think what's really important is that um, that, that is a cornerstone of, um, of SureScripts, is ensuring that data um, accuracy, the transparency of, how, of where this data is coming from and how it's being validated, and then of course, the security of you know, where it's coming from, these data sources of the PBMs and pharmacies and making its way to the SureScripts network 
um, and then out into our EHRs, health systems, and, and eventually our, our clinical staff um, on the you know, other side of the network, if you will. So I think those two things are really crucial to delivering medication history that we're confident in and that we know our, um, our clients are as well. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that. I want to switch gears to the trustworthiness of the data. I mean, we, gosh, we've seen it through all kinds of industries, uh, you know, mis- misinformation, miscommunication, uh, misinterpretation of data, so many different ways. So we learn to have a mistrust of data. So that is so important. Um, Rachel, I want to turn to you on this one then. From a clinical standpoint, what is happening for health systems then who are embracing comprehensive, clean, and accurate data? Uh, and they're able to then process and review a patient's medication history. There is that trust factor involved. Speak to those uh, different aspects of the whole plan and system there. Sure. So, from a clinical perspective, um, we did perform a study on the results of when a health system or hospital adopts electronic medication history. And the study showed that we identified or the patient, the provider identified 2.7 additional medications versus manual methods. So as Andrew mentioned, it's a lot easier to start with a list of electronic medications that are provided and confirm that with the patient. And so by doing that versus asking the patient to remember, uh, we were able to identify almost three additional medications. Uh, We know that patients are terrible historians. Uh, Even myself, it's easy to remember what medications I've been prescribed in the past 12 months. And so this data is really critical to those providers in making the right decision. Um, Additionally, the results of having better medication reconciliation. So there was a study published in the Journal of American Medical Informatics Association, so JAMIA, uh, that highlighted that electronic med rec could have prevented 35% of admission errors. So so when you show up at emergency room, the first step is often the medication reconciliation. And in the ambulatory setting, same thing, you are showing up and your first thing is doing that medication reconciliation. With electronic med rec, you're more likely to have uh, a better better medication list. Additionally, that study showed that electronic med rec could have prevented 31% of medication errors. And so medication errors are really a result of not having the data, not understanding what medications a patient might already be on. And so this data source really helps with that. Um, As our industry moves from that fee-for-service model towards that value-based care, we've also seen recent results um, in a case study with our partner where they were able to reduce hospital readmissions by 27%. So we're seeing the results in the industry and we're seeing that clear, comprehensive, usable data is really driving better health outcomes. So we're really excited by these results. Okay. Um, Thank you for that. And Andrew, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about um, the medication history over the last 15 years or so. Um, We've seen advancements in systems. We've seen advancements in technologies and also in processes. So 
all of those things can help bring more confidence to the whole, the overall system and the way that it works. But walk us through that. You've been in this field for a while. You've seen the changes being made. What's happening? What, what have you seen different over the last 15 years? What's, what's better now? What are we seeing better? And what's, we're driving toward those better outcomes. So how are those being achieved? Yeah, so I, I have uh, just a couple things I want to hit, and then actually I, I will uh, turn it over to, to Rachel here to, uh, to hit some of the things that, uh, that are a little more behind the scenes maybe that I think are really crucial to this point. But, but one thing I think that we've seen in, I'd say, at least the last you know, two to three years is the expectation is no longer just delivering the data and delivering um, the data where it's supposed to be securely, et cetera. The, those are table stakes, right? What we're really seeing now from our partners and clients is a desire for that next level of innovation, right? How can we make this data better, smarter, more digestible, more usable for those at the point of care? Because as we know, that is a, a hectic day in, in any practice, and how can we reduce administrative burden? How can we continue to keep the patient as our North Star, meaning give our providers the time and energy needed to focus on the patient and not the technology causing more uh, of their time and more burden on them? So what we've really seen the desire for and where we've sort of stepped up and delivered here is, is in that next level or layer of innovation. So things like the deduplication that we've mentioned, um, augmentation and filling in gaps where data might be missing. So that by the time this data makes it to the provider, and I say by the time, this is, you know, uh, I think our average med history poll is, is under half a second or, or something like that. So, mm -hmm. so we're not talking anything in real time on their end, but just practically as it sort of makes its way through our network, right? Um, what we're then delivering now is data that has context, right? So again, instead of 20 entries for 10 meds, it's now 10 entries for those 10 meds. If, if we have a duplicate claim and pharmacy fill data, we can deduplicate those to provide just the pharmacy fill, which as I mentioned is, is the more robust um, entry most of the time. Um, so, and again, filling in those gaps. And, and that will continue to get more and more sophisticated with things like more of the structuring and codification of the data as, as Rachel highlighted, I think a, a little earlier. Um, and again, so that the end result is in the moment, in those 15 minutes that you may be in front of a patient between the nurse and the provider, I know sometimes that's a generous estimate, um, that they are able to focus on what the patient is there for, what the next steps are, if they're coming off of a hospital discharge, what was that transition like? Uh, all of those things related to their care rather than ensuring or can being concerned that you don't have all the information you need. And so we provide that, what we like to call actionable intelligence rather than just, hey, here's a big spreadsheet, you figure it out, right? That doesn't, that doesn't help anyone. Mm -hmm. Okay. That is, that is helpful. So Rachel, what did you want to add to that as well? Yeah, so I'll add, um, over the last 15 years, things have changed a lot in terms of medication history. So just like any other new technology, 
Uh, in the beginning, it's a little bit of a novelty until people kind of look at it and they say, oh, that's neat. And then they maybe don't really change how they treat a patient or, or what they do with medication reconciliation. Um, as you mentioned, over the last 15 years, like things have changed a lot. And medication reconciliation and the data contained is really critical to a provider's workflow. And so trust is critically important and we really need to ensure that we're bringing confidence to these providers so that they can make that medication therapy decision that's right for their patient and they, they can feel confident that they've done that. And so in terms of ensuring trust and ensuring confidence, we have really high expectations for ourselves. So we have really robust QA processes and we've continued to expand and add data because as we discover trigger edge cases, we ensure that we have accounted for that going forward. Um, so in additionally, this year, uh, last year actually, we beefed up our monitoring programs to really create baselines to help us detect potentially unnoticeable changes that occur. And so we're able to be proactive and find potential um, glitches in the matrix before they, they come to light and cause any issues. So we're really focused in on accuracy, completeness, and trust. Yeah, Rachel, you mentioned robust QA processes. That caught my attention. In addition to you saying the, the matrix, that, that also caught my attention. But, Do you like that? Yeah, <laughs> but I want to I wanna, uh, stick with the robust QA processes for just a moment. Elaborate on that. What do you mean by that? What does it look like in practice? So as best principles or best practices for developing software, uh, we have QA cases that we monitor and track and test with each and every new release of the, of the functionality. And so we're continuously improving those QA cases. We're adding more and more edge cases to ensure that any new release is completely vetted before it goes out to the provider community. So that's really what that means. Okay. Thanks. Um, let's let's talk about workflow then, because uh, both you, Rachel, and Andrew, you've talked some about that workflow and getting that better. So, what aspect, what aspects then of medication history and the reconciliation processes can make or break its effectiveness? And I think what you were alluding to at one point was, you know, really getting at the heart of, you know, burnout, um, getting at the heart of making it where those providers who are having to do so much work on their end, it's, it's causing more time and more time. And what, if you do it right, it lessens those times. It gets them back to doing the work they wanna do as opposed to making a lot of those manual inputs as well. So talk about that then when we're talking about workflows, what does that look like today? And how do you continue to to ratchet that up to, to make it more and more efficient? Mm -hmm. So the workflow is really referring to how the provider interacts with data in general mm -hmm. within their EHR. And so you might have the best, cleanest, most comprehensive data, but if a doctor has to go to a website and break out of their flow, 
to go and access that data and it can't be brought back into the patient's record, it's not very valuable. And so really what we are focused on is ensuring that we're bringing innovation and medication reconciliation data directly within the EHR so that as the provider is stepping through their normal process for uh, seeing a patient, the data is just integrated and it doesn't feel like a break or a pause or, or slow them down. Um, as you mentioned, burnout, the time to complete med rec or the analysis switching back and forth between multiple screens really does contribute to burnout. And, and frankly, when you're in front of the patient doing that, it, it, can, feel, it can feel tense. And mm -hmm. so really what we're trying to bring is get the data in the hands of the clinicians that really need it, but in a way that it doesn't contribute or create um, extra time in order to do so. Mm -hmm. Andrew, I do want, I want to put you on the spot here too, because you've been in this field, you've, you've worked with teams. So what is workflow when it's really working? What does that mean to you? What does it look like? Yeah, so I think that's a word that gets thrown around a lot, right? But to me, when something is fully integrated in the workflow, you actually don't notice it, right? And that we take that as a compliment, right? We have customers who say, oh, I, that was so seamlessly integrated. I didn't realize that that was from another third party, in this case, you know, SureScripts, right? it becomes part of the EHR, part of the thing that they're using every day. Um, and I think that really is what the separation is. Um, when things are moving along as they should, you know, on a, on a, um, you know, a conveyor belt or a, a, you know, assembly line sort of, if you want to think about it that way, right? All the pieces and parts are going exactly where they're going. Everything moves smoothly, nothing falls off. Nothing has to shut down the line. But as Rachel mentioned, if part of that workflow means you have to stop, step out, log into another website to get a particular set of data, um, that just presents issues with time and efficiency. And, and the other thing it really presents um, that I know that uh, a lot of our EHR partners are, are concerned about is how do we know that that data you're stepping out of workflow to go look at, how do we make sure it gets back in? so that the next time that patient shows up, that we've captured that data. Because again, I mentioned earlier transitions of care. Transitions of care is the most common spot for data loss, right? Someone's discharged from the hospital, now what? Where does that data go? How does it get pulled in? How does it make its way to the next stop on the line? Whether that is long-term you know, post-acute care, simply a, a primary care provider visit, you know, re, uh, rehabilitation, whatever it might be. Um, and, you know, more and more, again, with, with the proliferation of specialties and subspecialties and things like that, we're seeing a lot of, there's a lot of stops on that journey. In some cases, those stops sort of never end in the case of a chronic patient, right? You might be making continuous um, visits to specialists and back to your primary care. And maybe, you know, unfortunately, there's an incident that requires short stay and then back out again and, and you know so on and so forth um, and so the more integrated into the workflow this data is especially when it comes to medication 
Uh, it's really crucial. For a majority of chronic conditions, the number one treatment is medication, right? That is the number one way to stay healthy and to stay out of the hospital and to maintain this chronic condition because obviously by, by nature it cannot be cured. So the, the importance of, of medication adherence really can't be overstated. And so if every member of the care team along the way has the most accurate and comprehensive data about the patient's medication, it prevents things like adverse drug events, prevents duplicate prescriptions, um, it can mit mitigate drug-drug um, interactions or uh, you know, other issues. And, and what it can do is uncover potentially things, right? So we, we have a, um, a story from, from one of our clients that they had a patient come in and they couldn't figure out why he was having issues with bleeding. There was, there was nothing to indicate it in his chart. There was nothing to, to show why that would be the case. Um, and they pulled up our medication history and they found from another provider that wasn't in their records, this patient was prescribed a blood test. Well, that's, that's the missing puzzle piece, right? And that helped them to redirect the patient's therapy. So this is not trivial information. This is information that drives the course of treatment. So if it's integrated into the workflow, uh, it's just so much easier for all of the members of the care team to actually use that information to the, for the betterment of their patient. Okay. I love that example, Andrew, and thanks for sharing that with us. That's the kind of thing that people can really resonate with. It means something to them. They can imagine themselves or a loved one in those situations as well. So uh, that is a great, great story to share with us. Um, to close this out, Rachel, I want to turn back to you. We've I mean, we've talked about a lot of things. We've talked about accuracy. We've talked about trust. We've talked about workflows. Uh, you were talking about the matrix earlier. I don't know if you want to go back into that, but we do want to look at the future, though, the future of med history and what that really means. Um, when you think about that, uh, and, and I keep thinking about what happened with telehealth during the pandemic. If anything, that's one of the things that showed what healthcare can do and how to meet patients where they need to be met, wherever that might be through virtual care and other aspects of healthcare there. Even when people were driving into the parking lots and getting shots or getting treatment in the parking lots, they were being innovative, they were being flexible, adjusting. So let's talk about this for a moment. Are the major med history innovations, are they already done? Are we already at the finish line there? Yeah, so if, if 2020 has taught us anything, it's that innovation is always happening. <laughs> and so I'd say we have certainly invested a lot in the what for medications and medication reconciliation. What medications is a patient on? Which pharmacy did they fill at? And while that's really important, and it's certainly critical for, for making that medication therapy decision, um, the next frontier I really see as being the why. So why was this patient prescribed this medication? And if you are coming into a new doctor, why is something that's often missing? So why are you on this blood thinner? Uh, why are you taking that medication? And so figuring out how to combine the data with that thinking and the, the reasoning is going to be really critical. Um, we're looking at 
diagnosis and how can we combine diagnosis with the medication. Uh, we're looking at how can we support cancellations. So a patient may report that they're not taking that medication anymore, but if it's been formally canceled by a provider, we wanna include that. And then why was it canceled? Was it canceled because it created, uh, they had an allergic reaction? Uh, or was it canceled because maybe it was too expensive? And those reason codes and that reasoning for why medication therapy changes is really the gap I see now. Okay. Well, Rachel, Andrew, I want to thank you for joining us on the podcast and for sharing these insights with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It was fun. Great conversation. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guest, Andrew Borg-Schulte and Rachel Peterson. And thanks to Nuance for sponsoring this week's show. Visit nuance.com slash DAX to sign up for a live stream demo and explore how DAX, Nuance's ambient clinical intelligence solution, can transform your organization. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or experts you'd like us to interview, email us at podcast at mgma.com or you can find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. MGMA Insights is presented by Declan McGee, Rob Ketchum, and I'm Daniel Williams. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights Podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership. Thanks.